Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. All right. Well, hello, and thanks for listening. Back by popular demand, I've got Margie Priestley, Karen Rack, and Kimberly Rivera with me to talk about parenting kids ages 12 to 15-ish. Two years ago, we talked about raising kids 8 to 11, um, and I had several folks tell me that we needed to get them on again to do the next age group, so here we are. Um A lot of people really did love hearing from you guys last time. I got a lot of great feedback, and I think they just loved your biblical wisdom, your experience between you. There are 22 children, um, and the fruit of your parenting is obvious to anyone who knows your children. I think that really encouraged people, but also I think people loved y'all are all very different, and your personalities are different, and so I think people really um, enjoyed. We all have the same biblical principles to apply, but it does look different um, in different families. So um, I think people responded to that. So introduce yourselves, tell who you are and where you're from. Kim, you can start. Well, my name is Kimberly Rivera, and I've been married to Mark for 25 years. We have 11 children, um, six girls and five boys. Our children currently are 24, 23, 21, 20, and 19, 17, and 16, 14, 12, 10, and 8. Very impressive. <laughs> I had to practice. <laughs> um, we, we are homeschooling our kids, and I was actually homeschooled. Um, as a child. And I was raised in California. My dad moved back to Kingsport, Tennessee um, when I was 11 to become a pastor of the church in Kingsport. Um, Hello, my name is Karen Rack. I am married to Philip and we have seven children. We've been married, actually it'll be 28 years this July. Um, Our children's Ages are, I'll, I'll see if I can pass the test this time. I've got a 24-year-old, one that's about to turn 22. I have an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and Anna is 6. And uh, I grew up in Marietta, Georgia, and have lived in Knoxville now for about 19 years. My name is Margie Priestley, and I am from four hours north of here, the Cincinnati area, and I moved to Knoxville in 1980, and I met and married my husband in 1982, and his name is Wesley, and we have four children, Anna, who's the oldest, uh, 35, Marco is 34, uh, Franny is 32 and Sarah is 29. Well, we've got a lot to cover and last time you guys wanted to answer all the questions and so we ended up dividing it into two podcasts. We actually don't know yet what's going to happen so we're just going to go through all the questions and it may end up being in two parts. Just like last time, I solicited questions from moms with kids in this age group from the church. So um, let's get started. 
the first one I had was um, just do you have any general thoughts about this age? Uh, anything stand out in terms of development, changes in the way you think about parenting in this age versus younger, um, challenges, joys, just general thoughts? Um, first of all, I really love this age. Put a lot of time and effort into parenting in the little years. There's a lot of don'ts. And this age, the kids are maturing. They're making wise decisions. They're taking initiative. They're owning their own responsibilities. So you get to kind of turn more into a cheerleader. And and you get to give a lot more dues. Um one thing I'd like to kind of communicate throughout this time is about really encouraging moms to invest the time to enjoy the beauty of the parent-child relationship during these teen years. It's really something special as your children kind of move into adulthood. Um, And I'd really encourage us to not accept the lie of rebellious teenagers. I have um, nine kids that are either in this age or above. And and I can really say my kids haven't been rebellious and, and that I just really like to encourage y'all that rebellion is not a normal developmental stage as a child becomes an adult, that rebellion is always sinful and to kind of wage war against um, the world's lies and don't accept that because this is really a beautiful time of parenting. And, and then just kind of another thing is to really focus on your goals for your children And you shouldn't have to tell your children or others what your goals are because if if your children live in your home, you will spend time on the things that are your priorities. And so as you live your life day by day, try to be really intentional to to make good decisions with your time and to spend time um, on your priorities. There's so many really good things in this world. You have to say no to a lot of good things too be able to focus on the best things. Well, that was great. Um, So I'll just start with my thoughts were sort of more general about, you know, this is definitely an age where there's hormonal hormonal and physical changes. Um, They are going through a lot um, of changes. They're, They're emerging from this little kid to not quite an adult, but an adult. And um, it is kind of an exciting time. I do totally agree with Kimberly in that um, this is not a time to dread. This is a beautiful time. Now it has its challenges and that's, you know, I'm, I also added um, that it's a kind of an awkward time. Uh, at least it has been for some of my kids. You know, their bodies are changing. They're trying to fit, figure out where they fit in. Um, they're a little unsettled. Sometimes I can tell there's some insecurities. And um, but what a great time for great conversations to happen when when these issues are coming up. Um, I also think it's a time where, uh, to some degree, there's an identity. I'll call it an identity crisis. It could be a crisis, or it's just it's just a time Time where they are trying to establish their identity, um, and as they emerge into new uh, levels of independence, um, obviously it's a great time for conversations because they can reason and they're thinking for themselves. I love that about this age. Um, so, when you also ask this question, you said, uh, you know think about parenting this age and I was just thinking um, even though this is a I, I, I wrote in my notes the same thing that Kimberly said about this is marked as a rebellious time and um, 
and maybe an annoying time. And, and certainly we've had times where I felt annoyed with children in, in that stage. But um, I don't believe that needs to be considered the norm or um, expected. I think that's a low expectation that uh, because, again, that's we're just dealing with sin. We're all rebellious. Um, and this new independence can definitely bring that on. But I think it's an opportunity to um, to navigate new independent thinking and and, um, establishing your identity in the Lord. Um, So, wow. I mean, I just think this is a age packed with opportunity and beautiful opportunity. So um, instead of looking at this season or this age time in my mind as a negative or putting a negative label on it, I really think we need to guard our mouths from that as moms um, and look to the Lord um, and see our children as, as gifts and this season is just a great time to um, help them along in learning who they are and what Christ says about them. So lots of opportunity. Um, and I also added that um, I think that this is an age where parents have a critical choice to make because even in our culture, I think it's a time when often parents say, I'm going to just back up and and leave them alone now. Um, I really would disagree with that. I think it's a time to connect, connect with your kid, connect your heart with theirs. Um, there is a temptation at times because this is a, could be, a, there's some annoying things that could be going on as they're transitioning or some emotional emotions that you're having to navigate and struggles that are are real with the hormonal changes um but it is um not a time for parents to back away and leave them alone it's a time to engage kind of gird up your loins so to speak and get in get in there with them and contend against our flesh as parents um, to love them well, build the, build bridges to their heart during this time. Um, it just sets the stage uh, for for some really beautiful opportunities that the Lord, I think, wants to um, establish in their hearts. So great, packed. I mean, great age, great age. Uh, the only thing that I would add to that is um, they're older and they can see through us easier. And um, so I think it's very important for um, us mothers to be vulnerable with our children, not just about our sins towards them, but sins of our heart that no one can see, you know, our greed and our envy, and to just be real with them so that they can get in touch with their own hearts and what's really going on with themselves. I just love that you guys talked about the joy of this season, Karen and Kimberly. I've heard that from so many women in our church, and I love that vibe that um, I've just seen so many and, and talked to women who are like, the teen years are the best. And so I think that's so faith-building and so important for young moms like me to hear. Um, so I'm glad you shared that. Okay, the next question was, what does it look like to keep God's glory at the center of my parenting? There are so many good calls for our kids, like good education, developing their gifts, becoming a contributing member of society. Um, But how do I keep their relationship with God and bringing Him glory as the chief priority? Well, I would say it's... Your focus really needs to be on your own heart. 
in your own relationship with the Lord because that's what they're going to pick up on. And so to model that, how excited you are about the Word or what you've learned new about the Lord. And um, the other thing I would say is avoid pressuring your kids to be more spiritual or comparing them with others that you know they may not look as spiritual uh, so keeping it positive you want to point out God's grace in their lives and um, instead of how they need to improve or what they should do better because it does not encourage them to want to draw closer to the Lord and um, I've seen it kind of push children away when parents do that and so um, I think just staying really positive and um, encouraging them to where you see they are doing well. That's really good Margie. Um, I had so much I felt like I wanted to say on this one um, so I'll try to unpack it. I, I guess you know, the question is, what does it look like to keep God's glory at the center of my parenting? And so my first thought was like, what is of utmost importance? You know, if I boil everything down to the very nitty gritty, what's the most important thing I to keep God's glory at the center of my parenting? I guess um, the thought that came to my mind is that um, my children need to be born again like that they need a new heart that and so what is my goal in parenting is obviously to evangelize them to to share Christ with them and I love how Margie said you know our example and our life being compelling I mean that that was just right on because our lives we want our lives to be lived in such a way that we are compelling our children that God is who we're saying he is and who we're reading you know so so i guess if um to keep god's glory at the center of my parenting first thing i i i was thinking was that um i need to evangelize them i need to to share the gospel with them i need they need a new heart and and when i say that i also want to make it very clear that it's so good for us to even say these words out loud i cannot save my child i cannot make them be born again. That is a work of the spirit. And I, so that, is, but, but, but of all the things that I want for my children, you know, I want them to know the Lord. I want them to be in heaven one day. I want them to, to have God change their heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh like only he can do. So, so that would be my, I guess if I'm just trying to look at the big goal of parenting, that's that's it for me. And then I also uh, feel like it's just really important that foundational truths must be taught um, and not assumed in our home. Um, actually, I remember Mike Pluniak um, saying years ago in a youth in Relay, our youth ministries um, Relay, he, he talked about you know, not assuming the gospel, that, that when we begin to assume that our kids get it, eventually it gets just lost, you know. So I think that's really good. That's helped me. That's served me over the years, that there's just foundational truths that have to be taught. And I'm talking about, like, going back to creation, 
I'm talking about, you know, God created the heavens and the earth and he created us. And, you know, Genesis is a great place to, to land in terms of, you know, God, we were created in God's image, male and female and, and, um, and that we've fallen short of his glory through our sin. And we're part of this Adamic nature, you know, we've, we've fallen short of that. So I think just going back to foundational truths in our home and making that, um, just spoken over and over again when we're talking about issues of life, like, okay, you you know, you're a good creation of God. You're created in his image and you were created, you know, a male for one of my boys, you know, because that's going to bring God glory or you're created female and that brings God glory. And so just foundational truths being taught. Um, Another thing to keep God's glory at the center of my parenting is to make much of God. Um, I just thought of, um, the he must increase but i must decrease i think is in john 3 30 um and then that scripture in the psalms i think it talks um let us magnify the lord that that word magnify the lord is mentioned many times in the psalms but the more we make much of god and just who he is and his greatness and his grandeur um that is a good place to land in our homes. I think our kids just need to see it. It takes our, I think we're also, we're all so egocentric. I'm so egocentric and we're, we're all very me centric and, um, our lives and our thoughts revolve around ourselves. But the more we can get our, our eyes off of ourselves and look at our creator at God and make much of him, I think that's just a healthy thing going on in our homes. And it does, uh, help us to keep our eyes more off ourselves and on God and what his priorities are. And I guess the last thing in that vein would be just becoming more kingdom of God minded. Um, because if we're making much of God and we're seeing what is God, you know, why was I created? Um, what, you know, what brings glory to God? What honors him? What, what has he done for the condition of my heart that I'm struggling through? Oh, he's, he's actually made a way through his son. So, um, I think those are just some real foundational things. So, you know, salvation, uh, leading our children to Christ, um, making that compelling, foundational truths, making much of God, and becoming kingdom of God-minded in the way we talk and how we live our lives. I'm so thankful that I get to go last on this one because... um, Kind of where the Lord led me to answer this question is kind of different. Um, and really, when I, when I read the question, I really kind of thought about um, different goals, you know, the good education, the development of the guests, and how we balance that with, um, with um, bringing glory to God and really how humans bring glory to God is by serving Him. And so that's kind of where I went with, the, with my answer, which is neat because y'all covered all that. And... Um, and so I really think this is going to look different. How this practically works out is going to look different in all of our different homes. And the key really is, is about balance. I think that we really can get caught up um, in preparing our children to serve the Lord in the future, um, that we put our schedule full of things that are good things. You know, this Um, this educational class and this lesson and this activity, but um, we're so focused on preparing our children to serve God in the future, we um, make it impossible for them to have time to serve Him now. 
And, and so really what you have to kind of evaluate as you're making these determinations of where you're going to spend your time and your resources, what am I sacrificing for this class, this lesson, this activity? Um, are you sacrificing family time? Are you sacrificing the flexibility to drop everything and help a neighbor who's in need? Um, kind of just what what are your goals? What do you really want to teach um, your children? Because a lot of times we can fill our child's schedule so full of good things that our family becomes very child-centered. And so we're really communicating to them exactly the opposite of what we hope to communicate to them because we want them to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, And yet we're kind of focusing all the family's energies and um, finances and time on on things that are centered on on the child instead of really other centered and what we want to teach our teens is that they should be self-sacrificing they shouldn't always get to do what they want even if it's something good and I'm going to pick a little bit on sports because I think sports can really become a god in our society unless you think I'm down on sports if you know our family our family runs cross-country we even had a child who went to college on a full athletic scholarship to run cross country so we participate in sports but I'm going to pick on sports a little bit I hear people kind of elevate um, the role of sports well if your children participate in sports they will learn teamwork and diligence and responsibility and self-control and while it is true that Um, our children can learn some of those things through sports. If you think that's the best way for your children to learn those lessons, I I think you're, you're really mistaken because your children, our children can learn teamwork and responsibility by cleaning the kitchen with their siblings and they can learn um, discipline by working hard at a job. So there are a lot of ways to equip our, 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 our children. So I'd really just kind of encourage um, you to look at what extracurricular activities you choose to do and even the educational decisions that you make and think about how does this equip my children to serve God now and do they have that time and the energy to serve God now and is our family actively seeking to serve God now? The next question was, how do you lead your teen into having a personal love for God's word and encouraging them to spend time with him regularly without making it be or feel like a legalistic task? So I'm going to start um, with Proverbs 22.6, and that is train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And my kind of quick answer is that we do unapologetically require our kids to read the Bible daily. Um, and the reason we do this is... Um, Karen alluded to it earlier. Our goal is for our children's hearts to be changed. Our goal is for them to desire this personal love for God's word, but we can't accomplish that. Only God can accomplish that. And the primary way he does this in our children's heart is through his word. So if we are not requiring them to read his word, in some ways we're um, depriving them of the main um, source for him to change their hearts and create in them a love a love for the Lord. Um, I want to highlight Hebrews 4.12. For the word of the Lord is living and active 
sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I think that it's good to take your kids on a tour of your library at home or, or talk about the library and say of all the books ever written, there's only one that is living and active and it does not return void, the Bible says, I believe in Isaiah. So obviously God's word is very important that it uh, that we feed our children the word of God as we would feed them daily meals. And so of course, um, you know, making it a priority to have Bible times. I know of one mom who does a, a Bible club in the morning. She calls it Bible club with her kids, complete with hot beverages. So, you know, they get up and they'll drink hot beverages and read their Bible for 45 minutes. Um, listening to songs that uphold the word of God with their lyrics that are, you know, um, stay true to God's word and Bible memory incentives. You know, those are some fun ways you can to do this in your home. But, um, you know, uh, this this might be a really bad thing, but Rax did it this way. <laughs> we, I think we uh, rewarded our kids like the first time they read through their entire Bible. Philip said, I'll give you a hundred bucks. You know, it's like, hey, listen, I'll give you money. If you'll read God's word all the way through. And of course, what's funny is if a couple of the girls said after they read through the whole Bible, they felt guilty because they had read through the whole Bible and realized that's a bad motive now. Now that I've read the Bible, I see that this would be an awful motive for me to get money. But, you know, we, we did reward them. We, we all laughed at them. But because um, it had done had an effect on them. That was the humor in it is that it had had an effect on them as they read it all the way through and they realized so much more um, of who God is and and what he says. So, but um, his word is alive and we want our children to um, experience that. So yeah, make some incentives in the home to do it. Do it yourself, you know, show them. Um, it's great for kids to see us in our room sitting and reading the Bible or in a chair. And um, I'll never forget the times I've seen my mom as a child studying her Bible at the table. And so hopefully my kids are seeing that too and that'll motivate them as well. Well, I wish I had a thought of that, giving the kids $100 to when they finish their Bible reading. We'd have probably done that. But um, my verse is Deuteronomy 6. Um, and it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And so we did not um, insist our kids read their Bibles like we. I wish we had of. But uh, I think when they got to high school and they were in a youth group uh, with other kids, they did start having quiet times. But we did talk about the Word a lot at supper, and it was always something that usually Wes was excited about what he had seen in the Word. And so um, he was very concerned that they be that they find the word boring or that, you know, he, so he wanted um, it to be alive and exciting to them. And so whenever he would read to them from the word, he would always make fun observations, you know, or uh, get them to make observations. And those were always sweet times, but they weren't scheduled and regular. The next question was, how can I nurture openness with my teen? I want her to feel comfortable coming to me about anything. 
Well, again, I would say by modeling um, openness to them about your own heart. And um, I realized that any sin my child has, I have. And so if they were jealous, I would try to, and I picked up on it, I would try to give them a time in my life when I was jealous or, you know, so I think being open and to not correct him every time you see something that needs correction. Um, Wes would always say, um, they're not going to come out from behind the bush if every time they do, they get shot at. So if you want them to be open with you, you have to sometimes bite your tongue when they're sharing. And, you know, later, if you want to go back and revisit it, uh, you can, but they're not going to be open with you if they're always corrected or uh, not listened to. And so, and another thing is to not use your fun times as times of correction, you know. Uh, With Sarah, I would say, Sarah, you know, I've observed this, and I want you to think about it and pray about it, and we'll talk about it in a few days. And so, uh, sometimes in the heat of the moment is not the best time to to confront them or talk about in it. things that could be um, difficult. Uh, Sarah reminded me that um, if I noticed they were angry, instead of saying, are you angry, I would say, have I hurt you? Because um, it's less confrontive and it opens up them, them to talk about the subject, whether it was me that had caused them to be upset or it was someone else. Um, it just seemed a, a way to get them to be more open with me. Uh, and something I uh, guard against is sarcasm in your communication. Kill any sarcasm that you might have and don't use it with your children. So, oh, Ray Wortland said um, children. Uh, feel and interpret enjoyment as love. So enjoy your kids, laugh with them, and um, just do fun things with them. Yeah, that's that's what I was um, thinking too, Margie. That um, it's we call it filling their tanks, sort of filling their tanks with, you know, fun times and and good things. Um, but I was thinking, you know, some words that came to mind. You know, fill our kids' tanks with truth and love and laughter constructive correction, humility, vision casting, and with my humble solidarity. So what I mean by that is I I put them together in six ideas to promote uh, open lines of communication. So I'll try to be brief, but um, the first one was just being being involved with them. Um, And I actually spoke to a couple of my kids about these questions, getting um, their input, my older kids. And one of the things that uh, both my girls, older girls said, they weren't even together whenever they were answering this, so they didn't know that they had both answered, said the same thing. Um, but they had said the fact that we um, practice hospitality, that that was one special way um, in their minds that uh, made them more open to us. They said we, we've made having people in our home so much fun that they always wanted to be at home more than they wanted to go out. They enjoyed people coming over. And um, so I think that actually does keep our kids open when our homes are 
joyful places for them to be and to bring their friends. So that was one thought I had. And then um, I um, think it's important to obviously be available, which means I have to make time to know them and to listen to them. I need to keep track on how things are going with my people. (laughs) Um, I was looking at Proverbs 31, 27 through 28, and it says that, about this godly woman, that she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. But I just think that looking well to the way of your household just has to do with, you know, you're you're observant, you're watching how things are going. Um, So being available, being watchful, that all kind of goes... as a way to promote open lines of communication. Another one is just showing interest in what they're interested in. Um, my husband is doing a great job of that right now. One of our kids has written, well, actually a couple of our kids have written uh, some books and our son, he's reading this book that our son has written. And um, I think it just means a lot. I can tell my son's just really thankful that his father's taken the time to read what he's written. And it's a lot of words. So <laughs> he's, he's working on it every night. Um, and then, of course, just being part of things that they're part of, cross-country meets, ultimate Frisbee nights. We're just kind of all all in their business, I guess. Um, laughing and joking with our kids is um, really important. You know, Obviously, we need to learn to laugh at ourselves, but I'll, I'll also say that um, laughter is really good medicine when it's applied rightly. And we've not always applied it rightly, so I'll, I'll just sort of <laughs> put a caution in with that. Um, we definitely laugh at each other in our house, but um, sometimes we've, we've gone across the line and hurt our children and um, brought something up that maybe they're not really good at over and over and over again. And that is definitely a communication squelcher. Um, That's when our kids have been very hurt with us. And um, so I think that would lead me to what another way to open a line of communication is that we need to um, be humble and stand in solidarity with them. Um, So as to communicate to them that, um, hey, you know what? I am not perfect. I fail. Please forgive me. So just applying repentance and humility because I bomb, you know, as much as they do. And I need to um, not expect more from them, right, than I expect for myself. And to know my own sin and heart is really important. So I think that's, um, that's a big deal right there. And I said six things, but I probably said about 12, so sorry. Um, I guess another thing is just imparting a vision to them, uh, showing how I'm praying for them, um, let, letting them know that I'm for them. So I think sometimes when I share with them things that are on my heart for them, it um, opens our heart to one another. And when we are in the heat of an argument or a frustration, sometimes I've, I have I really believe this the Holy Spirit just hit, sort of puts the reins on me, and I can just... I'll stop, and I, I, I recall on several occasions just saying to them, hey, guys, I am actually, I'm so sorry. I'm really for you, and I'll, I'll be all at arms with my frustrations, but the, the bottom line is I'm really for you, and I really want to understand what's going on. And, and so I think a lot of that's just humility. God pours out grace in that. So I am, um, y'all really covered um, what I was going to say. I, I do want to reiterate Um, just being available and making sure your children know that you always have time for them. Our, our schedules can tend to get really busy. And, um, I feel like this is 
just a way we can push our children away unintentionally is putting too much in our schedule. Remember that your children are going to have to communicate with you thousands of things that you think are unimportant before they're going to share those things that are really important. So every time your child comes to you, um, be interested, be listening. If they're excited about the turtle they found in the backyard, you need to be genuinely excited about the turtle they found in the backyard. It's it's time after time. We're, we're in these teenagers. We're just building on the relationship that we started um, when they started talking. And so really being available, um, letting them know that they are a priority, stopping other things that you're doing to listen to them, not over scheduling being excited about what they have to say and 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 don't be frustrated we will we will occasionally make time to have one-on-one talk time with each of our kids and if nothing important comes up don't be frustrated with that that's okay you are still pressing toward the goal which is um, a really good deep relationship with our children um, and then I, I also cheated and asked several of my teenagers um, some things that stood out. And I thought their their answers were really um, interesting. Um, one of my girls that is not a talker, she's very reserved, very quiet. She says, Mom, I really like it when you sit down and you ask me questions. So I'd encourage y'all to not be afraid to ask questions. What are you struggling with? Um, what do you think about this person? Tell me about this friendship. And just really don't be afraid to ask some of those hard questions. And she says, she's like, sometimes I want to say something and I, I just don't know how to bring it up. Um, so I'd encourage you to do that. And then my sweet Caitlin, who's 23, um, told me that on her 13th birthday, um, I wrote her a note and that I I just expressed to her in the note um, that I was really excited to get to be her friend as she headed into these teenage years. And she said that made such an impact. She's like, it really changed my perspective. My mom wants to be my friend. So really make sure your children know how much you love them and how much you value them and that you really do want this friendship. And then Margie mentioned this, but I thought it was interesting that one of my girls also said this is sharing of yourself, um, that they know what my passions are, that they know what my struggles are, that they know what my sin is, that I'm humbling myself before them and confessing before them. It makes me a lot more approachable. Nobody wants a one-sided, you know, therapist kind of relationship. We really want real relationship. And to get there, we have to be open and sharing ourselves with our children. That was so encouraging. That, was so that makes me want to listen to my kids. Definitely convicting for me. Okay, so this is officially going to be two parts. <laughs> We're not even halfway through our questions. Um, so we are going to end this now. And I want to say thank you to you guys for the answers you've already given. It's very encouraging. And um, stay tuned for part two. Part two.